This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, it's Ashley Hales, host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. And here at the Finding Holy podcast, we are doing our very best to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. This conversation with my guest, Aubrey Sampson, is sure to help us with the hard stuff of life, our pain, our chronic illness, our sorrow, our lament, and also help us move towards other people. It's a great conversation about what does it look like to develop a vocabulary when life is hard. Here's a little bit more about my guest. Aubrey is a church planter and the director of discipleship and equipping at Renewal Church. She's the author of The Louder Song and Overcomer. A member of the Redbud Writers Guild, Aubrey also contributes to Propel Women. She's a speaker, preacher, wife, and mama of three boys. You'll want to make sure that you stick around till the very end. Because like every episode, I give you one small step to help you connect those dots between the things that matter in your everyday holy life. But we also have a special giveaway with you. Here's my conversation with Aubrey. I want to know first, if you could just tell us what was your journey of lament and what what yep. is what is what was that invitation to you yeah um, for you personally yeah that's a good question um so i had a friend actually asked me the other day why did you write this book did you just think it was an interesting topic and i said i like if it weren't for the biblical language and spiritual discipline of lament i don't know that i'd be walking with god right now mm. um I hope that's not true, but it lament really became like a lifeline to me. In 2015, so about three years ago, my husband and I walked through a really difficult season. And if, of course, like all things, it was one of those seasons where everything hit at once. Yeah. So some amazing things were happening. We were opening the doors to our church plant because mm-hmm. we share that in common. We're church yeah. planters. Um, <laughs> And uh, then my first book, Overcomer, came out. So all of that was in the same week. So God was just doing awesome things, you know, that we'd been like dreaming about and praying about. Then I woke up that um, same week, like just smack dab in the middle of that week, and I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. And I had been having some aches and pains over the summer, but I was a runner at the time. So I just kind of thought, I'm running too much or whatever. Right. That was the worst of it. I, I, I literally couldn't put any pressure on my legs at all. And my hands were... Um, stuck closed in little fists. Mm -hmm. And that had been happening for a while too. But again, I was writing a lot for the first book and I just sort of thought maybe I have carpal tunnel. I don't know. I just kept excusing (laughs) things away. Um, And finally, I have a friend who's actually a mutual friend of ours, Ashley. She's another red bud named Catherine McNeil. Yeah. She came over one day to check on me and she said, you need to go to the hospital. Like this is not normal. (laughs) So, um, I'm thankful for girlfriends, you know, Mm -hmm. but anyway, I was diagnosed with the chronic autoimmune disease, which probably most of your listeners have one or know some, right. Yeah. You know, one of those things that happens in life, but we were not prepared for it. It It's hard on our marriage, um, hard for my kids and hard on me because it took me a good 
another year and a half, I'd say almost two years before the medicine started working and I changed my diet and did the thing so I could feel like semi-normal again. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on top of that, we were grieving the loss of a beloved family member who died very tragically. And then our youngest son was dealing with some uh, developmental issues and had to have spinal cord surgery. And anyway, it was this really difficult season, obviously, because God was doing these incredible things, but then it was like these horrific things were all happening at once. And I just honestly didn't know how to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a four on the Enneagram, which I think we also share. Yes, that I know. <laughs> so if you're familiar with the Enneagram listeners, it means I'm good with pain. Like I can handle pain. Right. But um, I couldn't handle my own pain. Yeah. And I just was, I don't know. I just crashed to the ground, honestly. And I mean, this is a very long story. I wrote a whole book about it, but long story (laughs) short is that I felt like there was a way as Christians that we are supposed to approach seasons like that. Like I thought I was supposed to sort of like rise above and more than conquer and, you know, be an example of courage and faith and like not have any questions. And, but that was not the reality for me. Like I I just really was wondering, am I praying to the ceiling fan? Like does God see me? Does God, I know God is not the author of evil, but I, I didn't understand why God allowed all this stuff to happen. And in the middle of that journey, God really tenderly led me to the biblical language of lament throughout mm. scripture, especially mm. the book of Lamentations, but also laments throughout the Psalms and other places. And just beginning to learn them and to read them aloud and mm. to express those laments, I think knowing that we actually have permission to talk to God in mm. anger and grief and suffering, mm-hmm. that began for me a healing process. Mm. Just sort of acknowledging like I can have a relationship with God where I can say these really awful things to him. Yeah. Where it's safe. Yeah. And he'll let me, you know, he's not going to brush us aside for those things, but he Mm -hmm. invites us even into that. Mm -hmm. What do you think we've lost maybe, you know, in church, either, you know, in the service or the church? Yeah. um, When when we're talking about this language of lament or, you know, bringing all of ourselves to God, um, what have we lost there? Or how can we recover it? Yeah, I I feel like, at least in my experience as an evangelical, that we've tended to so much celebrate the resurrection, which is so amazing. I mean, you know, and we've tended to celebrate like the mountaintop stories and Mm -hmm. kind of the the David and Goliath stories. And that's so good. Like we need to celebrate, of course, and praise God and worship Him. But I do think that we have forgotten that especially in Christianity, like we come from a history of sufferers. Like mm-hmm. this is part of our tradition that God mm-hmm. entered into our suffering and into the Israelite suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think what we miss is a couple of things. One, we miss just acknowledging that people are in pain, period. Yeah. yeah. And that God wants to do something in our pain, that God actually uses pain in our life. And it's okay to be in pain without like wrapping it up in a pretty little package, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think what we miss too when we ignore that is the fact that like we're we're part of a global people who are suffering. Like there are atrocities happening all over the world. And I, and we all know this, right? In the West, we can really like shut our eyes to that. Right. We can't just be people who are like depressed and down right. all the time. But I do think something beautiful that church could restore would be like communal light, nights of lament. Like especially mm. if there's been a tragedy in your community. For instance, um, last summer, um, our town of West Chicago, this horrific murder happened between teenagers. It was awful. Mm -hmm. And um, so several churches got together 
from all different denominations just to have nights of lament. And we just poured out our hearts in desperation and in Mm -hmm. tears to God together. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes we can stop and sing some lament songs. Yeah. Again, we don't have to always do that, but let's like, let's make some intentional appointments to allow for our suffering and our lament um, in a communal experience so that we don't forget that that's actually part of what it means to be a Christian and follow Mm -hmm. Jesus and be a part of his suffering and be a part of other people who are suffering and even lift them up before mm-hmm, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so huge. I mean, w- again and again, even just talking with younger moms in our congregation or just out and about and you know, you see like them like under the weight of right early parenthood yeah. and having yes. even a little bit older kids where I'm saying, you know, this is a season. Yeah. And you know, when we're in a season whether it's parenting or, or you know, pain, no matter how big or how small, can't really see out of it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was um, speaking at a church on Sunday and I would say, you know, people, of course you talk about lament, people um, honor you by sharing you their lament stories. But I would say a lot of those stories were moms that like haven't slept in months (laughs) right? and they feel disconnected from God and they feel Mm -hmm. disconnected from, if they have husbands from their husbands, they feel disconnected from themselves, like who they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. Like those moms were in tears and I remember those days. And I think sometimes just to like honor those, I mean, that seems like a small thing, but it's actually a big thing to say, this is really hard what you're going through. And it's okay to say that it's really hard. Right. And that God wants to meet you in this even where God wants to do something in it. Right. So what would you encourage our listeners? And, you know, as we're talking about some of these ideas to how do we go through it? Well, you know, how do we go through either sleepless nights or tragedy or pain or, you know, disease, Um, just even reading the news cycle, like we are kind of, we need to be able to lament what, how do, what's that posture for, for through, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. we only get to the resurrection through the crucifixion. And yeah. if, if we are being formed right into the image of Christ, we can't expect that, oh, we're just going to like always be up and to the right, you know, like <laughs> life is always going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah. So how do That'd we get through it well? <laughs> um, here's, this is like a practical suggestion. Yes, bring it really practical because we yeah. love, we, I want to connect the dots right between, yeah. great, we like, we need a theology of lament to what does scripture tell us about lament but like what do we do when you're in it yes when you're actually in it yeah under the umbrella of like have grace for yourself yeah is um something that i did in my season was so lamentations in the hebrew bible is actually called ikah which is the hebrew word that means how Mm -hmm. and if you'll you know you read lament throughout scripture like david says how long how long how long like how is one of those big questions of lament Mm. and it's also kind of an accusation like god how could you god how dare you Mm. or how lonely i feel like it can be a a declaration as well and I, Mm. i feel like a really practical way to sort of begin a lament journey is let's say you're a journaler, you have time to journal, grab a journal, write the word ika on it or how mm-hmm. on it, and just start listing your hows to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God, how are we going to get through this? God, how could you let this natural disaster happen? God, um, how lonely I feel. Um, mm-hmm. God, how uh, is this ever going to get better? How will my marriage get better? And I think um, just the act of 
acknowledging that we have those questions mm-hmm. is really a powerful like step in the journey of lament because sometimes we don't want to even admit that we have right. them and mm-hmm. we don't know if it's okay to ask those things of God. Mm. But, um, you know, if not everyone has time to journal, but like if you're in the car, um, I think you can just begin listing those hows aloud, like pray mm-hmm. them to God or imagine that you're placing them at his feet and asking him to take care of them. And, you know, I think in my experience, God never, I had about 10 hows that I just kept coming back to mm. for a couple years. And I don't think God ever said, I'm going to answer. I didn't, God never answered them specifically. Some he did actually, but others not specifically with this direct answer, but I feel like he met every single one of them somehow with his presence Mm. or with his power or with his love or with his intimacy. Like somehow he met me in those hows. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if we just um, follow, you know, like most laments, laments move from how to finally a place where most lamenters are declaring like their yets or their buts, meaning, Mm. okay, if God never makes this better, yet I will worship him. Mm. We have to, at some point, not rushed, but at some point get to a place where we're declaring our yets. Mm. Like, God, my hope is not in the benefits you give me. My hope is not in the bonuses. My hope is not in, even if my circumstances change, my hope is in you. And so I will trust in you. I will hope in you no matter what. You're my inheritance. You're my prize. Yet I will praise you no matter what mm. happens. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's just a, some practical. No, I think that's great. I think that's a wonderful beginning, you know, to make, to make it not feel so scary, right. To acknowledge, yeah. um, the pain, the suffering, you know, all those open-ended yeah. questions. Um, but to, to give us hope. And that's one thing I really love about your book, The Louder Song is it is immensely real, but also immensely hopeful, right. That there is still hope in, in that process. And I'd love for you to talk about maybe the journey between your first book, like even if you just think of your titles, right? Of yeah. Overcomer, right? Oh, right. <laughs> I like this journey of lament called the louder song. And yeah, yeah how does like that's a woo? <laughs> like, yeah, isn't that funny? Swing a little bit. It's funny because I do tend to um, like go to the kind of tend to rush to the like victory. Like right. I was just saying before, that yeah. is my mo. And so um, when I first wrote the first draft of the louder song I gave it to my editor and she was like Aubrey you have to let your pain breathe a little bit because I was like rushing to the like the hope and the like it's okay you know it'll be great she's like you have to even give your as you're giving your audience permission to lament you have to remember to lament throughout this book because sometimes I you know even me I'm still learning what it is to to lament, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to be okay doing it. And so it was like a, um, it was actually really a wonderful process. It felt like a spiritual discipline in and of itself to write this book, mm-hmm. to give myself permission to go, okay, I'm going to let the pain and the suffering and the heartache and the grief just breathe for a little bit and just be here for a little bit before I like race to the other side, you know? And so I know it's really funny. There are times actually thinking back on Overcomer that I'm like, I want to go back and write that book now. I mean, we probably all feel that way about our books. Like now that I've had like five years away, I want to go back and like rewrite it knowing what I know now. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, it's, you know, I think all of us have to just keep giving ourselves permission to like, it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay to acknowledge that there's hurt and heart. Yeah. 
And to let it breathe. I think that's yeah. a beautiful line. It's a great thing to remember. What is your hope, you know, not just for the book, um, but, you know, to give the a vocabulary to Christians, to the church, yeah. Lament. So many fabulous resources about Lament and a ton of other books, particularly from the African-American community yep. um, about what does it look like to lament. But what's your hope, you know, for some all of these resources to give us a new vocabulary for Lament and how can that maybe refine the American church? I think um, my hope is, is probably pastoral a little bit. Like yeah. I, um, part of it is I'm seeing a lot of my friends or colleagues or just kind of people online, they're um, deconstructing their faith in maybe a really healthy way, right. but they're staying in bitterness or they're walking away. Yeah. Um, because life does hit hard. And it does cause us to question things. And sometimes our gnawing spiritual questions become too much to handle. Mm. But what I would long for the church to do is to actually like lean into those questions. And instead of walking away or instead of staying in bitterness to just like keep pressing into God even deeper, you know, going, diving deeper into intimacy with him in a way that we haven't before. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, like pressing in even through the pain rather than walking away in apathy or in bitterness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then I, I think, so we, good. you know, we have to get outside of ourselves, right? Because in our pain can be a wise teacher, but it can also make us really selfish. And so I think part of the beauty of lament, which other writers have done a really good job of writing about, is that it's not all about me. Like right. I can lament with and on behalf of other people, communities mm-hmm. and on behalf of systemic oppression and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it becomes a language for us, not just a language for me. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I think that's so important. What would you, you know, encourage our listeners um, to think about, you know, if we're writing our house, if we're trying to get to the yet and yet we're, you know, we feel silence, right? The ceiling yeah. fan. Where's God? Oh, yeah. We're waiting for him to show up, but we don't really know if he will. Mm-hmm. How do we stay in that tension? Oh, I feel like that's one of the hardest questions, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think this is when you have to lean into your church community if you're not yeah. part of a church body, because sometimes it's the people of God that are the presence of God to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, there were moments when I only could sense God's presence with me when I was like with my spiritual director, right? Or with another Christian saying, "Can you just like another Christian sitting on my couch with yeah. me, or bringing me a meal, or um, bringing me a coffee?" And it was like, okay, wait, that's the presence of God right there. I may not feel something like um, supernaturally, but I see in front of me the very body of Christ. Right. And um, there being God to me. So I think that's, we have to move out of our isolation and our lament too and Mm. say, like, I need other people. Yeah. What do you think, how we experience the presence of God? And I, you know, those of us who grew up in evangelicalism, you know, it's primary, I feel like it's primarily either like this intellectual ascent, right? Or this kind of emotional experience. Totally. Yeah. I feel like I've learned in the past few years, and it seems like the church is sort of trending more towards this, just like kind of recapturing those spiritual practices, right? Like silence and stillness and listening. And I mean, I love the word of God, so I'll always go to the scriptures to kind of find God, but I do feel like recapturing some of those ancient ways of being with God, even without words, you know? Right. Yeah. But that does take practice. But I think those spiritual practices are great handholds for us. Mm-hmm. When we can't feel his presence, here's a way that we can um, 
at least attempt to access God's presence. Right. right. And, you know, you think of it like, I don't always feel like super lovey-dovey about my children, but we still like eat together, right? We totally. still like, we yeah. do the work of family still. Yeah, Even if you're good. not like, oh, you're so amazing when you leave <laughs> your so clothes all over you. the floor again. You know? <laughs> right. But you still like, okay, we're a family. We're going to keep right. going through this. Like, yeah. I'm like annoyed with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't, like, maybe we just have a very infantile view of one's relationship with God. It's not very robust, you know, where it's, mm-hmm. we expect God to show up in certain ways in nice little boxes. Yep particularly either emotionally or, you know, I just think all these big thoughts about him. And then I've discovered him. Right. 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 Especially in my, in my um, chronic illness, that's been a real challenge for me because I, my connection point with God has typically been like verbal. Yeah. I'm praying aloud or I'm writing down prayers or it's thinking prayers, you know, but there are times when I've been in so much pain, I can't do that. And, um, and so to even like renegotiate how, like going back to motherhood, how do you pray when you're just exhausted Yeah. and might prayer just be crying or yeah. might prayer just yeah. be, I'm holding my baby and I'm thinking about my baby and that's me praying for my baby. Or I'm like, yeah. for me in my pain, like sometimes I'll just like touch my ankles or touch my knees or touch my hands. And mm. I'm trusting that God knows that's me praying about the pain that I'm in, mm. you know? Mm. But yeah, I think sometimes you're right. Like God needs to we need to let God explode the boxes that we've kind of placed him in. Yeah. Like if he's outside time and space, why do we expect that he's going yeah, to Totally. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. Our it's nice true. little Jesus Bible On our timeline. Yeah. When yeah. we yeah. Him <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so what hope have you found on the other side of this? You know, the, where, where, where have you kind of discovered your own yet? And how can you encourage us as we are listening to to you yeah. to press in and wait yeah. for our those yets those buts. I it's strange and I can't totally put my finger on it, but I feel like I three years ago, two years ago, still just felt like such a season of scarcity. Like I mean, yeah. God just felt like He was just taking all of these things away, and I mean, my marriage was struggling through it, and um, I just didn't know how. I don't know. I just didn't know how He's going to make it through, and really leaning into lament. It's not like because I lamented God did this, but because I kept, I'm not going to walk away from you, God. We're going to keep going here. I felt like I have seen God open up like a new season again, where Mm. I am sensing his abundance, um, his lavish love. I feel like God keeps reminding me like, you're my girl, Aubrey, you're my girl. And Mm -hmm. that feels very sweet and tender and healing for me because I think three years ago, I would have said, God, I'm I, God's not my father. God's not my he doesn't mm-hmm. love me, you know? And um, so I feel like he is not in really any specific ways, but he is restoring my fortunes just with a sense again of his joy and his goodness. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I think about my aunt who, my, my cousin Cameron is who passed away when we were, I mean, real tragically, he, he was snowshoe hiking in um, Oregon and fell off the side of the cliff and died. So it was just horrific death. She's still lamenting in a way that I'm not even lamenting because she's mom, you know? Yeah. And yet to watch her love other people in their grief and to watch Mm. her find moments where God is meeting her really sort of miraculously or just showing up in really specific ways. Mm. Um, that like, that's amazing to me that here's this woman who's in so much grief yet she's finding so much hope. Mm -hmm. I, 
simultaneously. It's yeah, about, that, that yeah. paradox, right? It can be both. Like yeah. life can be horrible and God can be good. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's, I've, I've come to a place of that where I'm, I'm sensing his hope. Mm-hmm. Is there a sense too in which there's, there has to be a kind of a, a new understanding of presence right? rather than like putting our lives on cruise control where like, we're just hoping it, you know, we get to the next, yeah. you know, mountain peak of goodness. I think that, yeah, there's a sense of like, I need to be present. I have to go through. Oh, there totally is. And some days I wish there wasn't. <laughs> like some days I want yeah. to yeah. go be on done. Yeah. and be like, it's fine. Everything's fine. But I, I especially feel like, um, especially with chronic illness, like I keep going, no, okay, I'm going to be present today. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to attend to whatever God's invitation is today, whether it's with someone else or just with me and God or with my mm-hmm. kiddos. That's a really good point. I, I feel like I'm still probably like processing that. Like, what does it mean to, especially like on the good days, how do you right. experience as much as God wants you to knowing the bottom may fall out again and, and yet God's still there in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. So many good things to chew on and some really practical, helpful ways to process. So thank you for inviting us into Lament too um, and giving us space for that because that's a gift too. You know, I think sometimes we don't always think of the hard things as gifts, um, but that really is part of growing in the life of faith, I think. So I want to ask you though, like ask everybody, what is your laundry routine, Aubrey? I love this question so much. Um, This is my laundry routine. I will ignore it for as long as I absolutely have to. Yeah. I used to be really good about like doing a few loads every day, but that I don't do that. I ignore it as long as I can. And then when my kids are like, mom, I have no pants for school, (laughs) then they wear dirty pants to school. But then that day I do laundry (laughs) and I do all the laundry. Right. And then yeah. I turn on Netflix or whatever and I just fold and fold and fold. And sometimes I drink a glass of wine while I'm yeah. folding. To yeah. Like get through it all. I like, once I started, I want it done. Like I don't yes. like laundry hanging over my head, but right. then I'll wait another, you know, two weeks and then it's like, oh no, here, I right. here it is again. So I should space it out, but I just, you know, I have other things just, to do. Right. And you want transformation <laughs> immediately, right? <laughs> all done now. Yes. To get past it, so it's never hanging over your head until I don't know if it's a routine as much as if it's like, oh crap, I got to do laundry. (laughs) (laughs) It's reactive. It's definitely not, you know, not proactive at all. Oh, I know, I know. Laundry, (laughs) it can be the bane of our existence, and yet I'm trying to think, you know, okay, if the gospel is true, how does that help me with my laundry? Yes, that that uh, quotidian nature, like, okay, this is practice. I'm going to. I have a friend, a beautiful friend, who, oh, Catherine, who we were just talking about. McNeil, who like folds laundry and prays. Like it's very yes. beautiful. I don't do that. I'm like, no, just get the stupid stuff done. Right. Done. Yeah. Zone out. It's good. Yeah. A little guilty pleasure. Yeah. Watch your right. shows. It's yes. good. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll, I'll grow more mature about it. But it's okay. We all have our gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Aubrey. It's been such a pleasure. Be sure to pick up her book, The Louder Song, Listening for Hope in the Midst of Lament. Thanks. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that rich, fun, funny, and truthful conversation with Aubrey Sampson. I really hope that you will go pick up a copy of her book, The Louder Song. 
You can find all the details about her books at the show notes, aahales.com slash podcast. Click on Aubrey's picture and you'll get all the links about how to follow her. And so here I want to leave you with one small step. Aubrey showed us that the word ikha is a Hebrew word for how, and hows start our journeys of lament. So I'm going to invite you to grab a journal or a sticky pad or even the back of your receipt right now and simply list your hows. Ask your questions to God. How long do we need to wait for a child? How could you let this happen? How could he lose his job? How could she treat me that way? List your hows. And then I want you to spend just a few minutes in prayer and imagine God holding all of your hows like a bouquet. And know that God may not answer specifically, just like Aubrey shared, but he will meet you with his presence. So I will love to see how He how he's met you in your house already and how he continues to meet you in your house as you go forward. Here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we'd be honored if you shared how you're working through the material from the Finding Holy Podcast on social media. Please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That's a huge way for people to get hope for lament and to connect the dots between the things that really matter and our everyday holy lives. And I have a special surprise for you. We are going to have a special conversation, a live conversation over on Instagram. So if you are listening, join us Thursday, October 3rd at 8.30 a.m. Pacific for an Instagram live with me and Aubrey. We're going to be talking about God, pain, and the Enneagram. So it's just a little bit of a extra special conversation with us, and you'll have the chance to win both of our books. So head on over, follow me at AA Hales, and we'll see you there. Thank you for being here at the Finding Holy Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, join us on Instagram. There's so many different ways to connect, but no matter what, remember, even if your week is full of joy or if it's full of lament, that God is good. And we hope that you'll remember that, of course, all of these big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.